you're a police officer or currently working in law enforcement and you're considering your career, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Andy Labrum. Welcome to the Blue Light Leavers podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 42 of the Blue Light Leavers podcast. Now, I do something slightly different this week in that I'm actually uh, basically front-loading. So I'm going to be talking you through how to really stand out in interview. Uh, now, the reason for that is because things are definitely starting to hot up in the job market. And I've been contacted by a lot of people recently asking for hints and tips and uh, some guidance on interview preparation. So I thought it's a really good opportunity as the market is starting to open up that um, I'll give you a bit of help, support and guidance around how to really stand out in interview. Now, I normally only share this with their paying clients and members of the Blue Light Achievers program. So I'm going to be going through this at uh, quite a fast pace and at quite a high level, but I'll explain at the end how you can contact me and if you need some help and support with interview prep, how we'll go through in more detail and um, and how it becomes a lot more relevant to you specifically as an individual and what it is that, the, you know, that particular role that you're going for. But what I'm going to cover in this particular episode is the three stages of preparation, the type of openers that you might get and what's called motivational fit. I'm going to talk you through the three different types of interview styles. I'm going to give you some examples of competency-based questions. But most importantly, I'm going to give you the secret to answering those competency-based questions better than any other candidate. And it's not star or saw. Okay. So when I talk through the three particular um, stages of preparation, they are review, responses, and research. Now, I guarantee when you start to uh, go into the research phase, we tend to do that right at the beginning. We'll look at the organization, we'll start digging around, and we'll end up going down a rabbit hole around that particular organization, maybe news articles or looking at their most recent um, uh, you know, financial report. We'll be digging out, looking at their core values, uh, their behaviors, and all sorts of things that will basically not be any help at that particular moment in time. You've got to do your review. You need to sort your responses out and then you do your research. Okay, so what do I mean by review? Really simply, we're looking at the role description and the person spec. And we're looking at the type of roles and responsibilities and those key phrases that keep coming up. Now, those key phrases are probably going to be based around soft skills. They are the ones where people can actually ask you specific questions about, can you give me an example of when you've? Um, if it's a hard skill, they can only ask you, have you got this qualification or have you got this experience? It's a sort of almost a yes or no answer. It's the soft skills that you're really looking to pick out. And in particular, it's those that are based around potentially things like collaboration, resilience, uh, ability to, to manage change. Um, you know, those are the sort of key soft skills. You know, the communication is, a, is an old classic, but the ability to be able to communicate at all levels. You know, all of those sort of things, look at those key phrases. Stakeholder management, you know, dealing with people outside of policing and outside of the organization, all of those sort of soft skills are the type of things that are going to be great in terms of being able to give examples. And all the way through as you're reviewing, and please go through with a highlighter, circle, make notes, um, and look for those key phrases and those, those words that keep being repeated through because they're the type of things that you're going to get their questions around. But as you're going through and you're doing your review, 
think, what could they possibly ask me based around that key skill? What are the types of things that they might ask? So the next stage is your responses. Now, what we're looking at here is maybe four to six really good examples of um, examples that fit those key responsibilities, the person spec, and those soft skills that we've been talking about. And what you're thinking all the way through this is, how can I evidence my experience in a way that relates to this particular role? And what we sometimes find is that we can either be a bit too strategic in our thinking, particularly if you've been, um, you know, if you've been a boss in the job, you may be thinking at a strategic level when actually you need to be thinking a bit more operationally. And what we can also do sometimes, and I was very guilty of this as well, was being a bit too policey and giving police examples. Now, that is all we know. But the key is making sure that we can actually give your example in a way that is relevant to that particular role. Because ultimately, all they're trying to do is work out if you've got the right skills and experience and if you can solve their problem. And actually, if you're a nice person and you're going to fit really well in the team, it's those two things. That's all they're really interested in. And then they'll deep dive a little bit more into your, your actual key skills and examples to make sure that you're a really good fit. But those first two will be sorted out very, very quickly. They'll make those decisions really quickly when you get into interview. Now, you'll hear Charlotte Eve and I talk about this an awful lot. But we're really keen to make sure that you focus very much on what is it that you've delivered and what is it that you've achieved in your service. Now, they might not be things that you've been formally recognized for. So it's not necessarily stuff, you know, I got a commendation for, for arresting these burglars or doing this particular type of job. That's not what I'm talking about. It's the sort of stuff that in your heart, you know, you have made a real difference. And it's the stuff that you've really, um, you're most proud of. Now, they're the key areas to focus on because ultimately, when you're going into interview, people want to know what it is that you can do for them. What have you done in your previous role that can actually help them solve their problem? Okay, so that's review and that was responses. Now, when we talk about your responses, you'll have obviously heard of STAR, SOAR. Okay, so situation, task, action, result or situation, obstacle, action, result. Now, they're both really good and they definitely help. But I prefer to use something called CARL, C-A-R-L. Now, what I'm talking about there is context, action, result, lessons learned. Now, actually, the L also stands for, for two other things as well, which I'll go through um, in, in a minute with you. So what are we talking about? Exactly the same as that star or saw format. Situation is basically context. So the context was this. And as a result of that, I did this, which is your action. That resulted in this. Okay, so that's similar to your star and saw. And for a lot of people, that's where it finishes. But what really helps you stand out and what really makes the difference is, and what people really look for, is that ability to self-reflect and that ability to, to look back on what you've done and think about what you could have done differently. So the L is for lessons learned. So it's context, action, result, lessons learned. So we give an example. You say, well, actually, you know, this was actually the situation. I took this action, which resulted in this. But in hindsight, you know, when I reflected on it, had I actually done this, then we maybe would have got the result of fraction earlier. 
So that is where it really makes a difference is that ability to self-reflect and learn from things that have gone well, but also learn from things that haven't gone quite so well. And it also shows that degree of humility as well. Now, the L can also stand for legacy. Now, what I mean by legacy is where you've brought something in or you've made a change or you've made a difference. And as a result, that's created a new process or a new way of working or it's had um, an indelible, you know, never to be changed impression on um, a group of people. So it's that legacy. So it's context, action, result, legacy. Now, the L can also stand for link. And this is where you link it with your research. Because it's really nice if you can turn around and you get at the, at the end of a question, you can say, and actually, I know this is particularly important to, to this organization because X is, you know, part of your core values or as one of your key behaviors that you, that you talk about on the website. And it just shows that you've gone the extra mile in terms of your research and that you've looked into the organization. And again, all of those things really help you to stand out. So it's context, action, result, lessons learned, legacy, or link, Carl. Now, when it comes to doing your research, what you tend to find is that most of the really interesting key parts of your research are actually at the foot of the web page. So as you scroll through their main um, sort of landing page and you get to the bottom and it'll be you know a bit about us, you might have about us, and then you can dig a little bit deeper. But please don't do your research until you're really comfortable with where you're at in terms of the review that you've done. Have you picked out all those key phrases, skills, and where your experience can match? When you've done your um, responses, and you're pretty comfortable with the type of things that you're going to talk about. Um, and actually, just going aside, as you actually find that mind mapping works really well for those responses. You can just sort of, um, you know, do a bubble with the central theme and then do loads of little mind maps off it, little bubbles off it with just information and key information. But yeah, when you're doing your research, look through, go through those, um, the bottom section that about us. Look at things like financial reports and any end-of-year reports or five-year strategy reviews. Don't go nuts and don't spend forever on them because all you're looking to do is be able to th- have a bit of a throwaway line, a one-liner that really shows that you've gone the extra mile and you've done your research. But please do it in that order. Do your review, do your responses, do your research. Okay, so let's move on to question styles. Now, as you know, I, I, uh, a bit of a glutton for punishment, but I tend to um, sit a lot of interviews. And uh, I do it because it keeps me really sharp. I do it because it also helps me in terms of being able to guide and support. And it really means that I'm, I'm absolutely bang on the money and I'm, I don't feel overly anxious when I'm going in for interview because it's just another interview. I've done it so many times that I feel quite relaxed and if it works, great. If it doesn't work, no problems. It's every interview is a lesson. Every interview is something where I can look back and reflect on how it went. What could I do better next time? What went well and what didn't go quite so well? Make some notes, make a note of the questions, that sort of stuff. Okay, so that's why I put myself through the interview process on a regular basis. Um, my most recent role, I had three interviews for. I had a technical interview I had an interview with the uh, operations director, and then I had an HR interview. And all of those were slightly different types. So what we find is that, generally speaking, there are three types of question styles. 
you'll have conversational, situational, and competency-based. I say, so a conversation, try again. So conversational is where it's literally a chat and they'll talk you through really relaxed and they'll, they'll, they'll ask you some questions, but it's a really laid back, very informal sort of atmosphere. And it feels as though there's no structure to it. Um, now, I actually quite like those. It gives me an opportunity to, uh, to build that rapport, build that relationship, which is so, so important that maybe you don't get quite so much within situational competency-based um, interviews. The danger with conversational is that you can sometimes feel a bit too relaxed and let things slip or say something um, maybe that is maybe a little flippant or, um, you know, you don't know these people. So all the time that you're going through this particular type of interview where it's very laid back, very conversational, um, almost that, you know, really informal chat over a coffee, still be really switched on. Make sure that you are bang on the money and be professional at all times from start to walking out or turning your laptop off if it's uh, if it's being done remotely. Now, the second type is that situational. And we get this quite a lot, obviously, within the police service as well, as you know. Um, but the situational one is where it will they will literally give you an example and how would you react to it. So they'll, they'll ask you something around, um, okay, this is the scenario. What would you do? What's your rationale? Now, for a lot of, a lot of the time, there's no right or wrong answer. What they want to see is your thought processes and the rationale behind your decision-making. So whether they agree with your, um, with your response or not, what they're looking for is how you've gone about it and how you've gone about coming to the conclusion that you came to. Is it through a process? So things like the NDM work really, really well here. You don't necessarily have to say it out loud like that. But the national decision-making model can actually really help you in terms of structuring those situational responses. And so, you know, think of those as if you do get asked a situational type question, think about the NDM, think about what you can put into practice. Don't make it sound too policey. But all of the things that you cover within the NDM are actually perfect for those situational type of uh, questions that you might get. Now, the third type are the competency-based questions. Okay, now I'm going to go through those in a bit more detail shortly. But what I want to do first is just go through the interview structure. Okay, so I'm going to go through warm-up questions, the type of questions, and then what you could potentially ask them at the end. So the warm-up questions are the usual sort of things like, tell us a little bit about you. Okay, can you tell us a bit more about you? We've read your CV, we like what we've seen, but you know, let me understand a little bit more about uh, you as a person. Now, a really nice acronym for this is something called FORM, okay, F-O-R-M, and that's family, occupation, recreation, and then message. And it's just a really nice, really quick introduction. Now, the reason we do that, or the reason I recommend it is because most people, when they're asked, tell us a bit about you, will go straight into what it is that you do for a living. But it's really nice to talk about your partner or your family or, um, you know, where you live, just something a little bit personal to you. Um, it just opens up rather than going straight into what it is that you do for a living. It opens it up really nicely with actually, and this is important to me. So it's family, occupation, recreation, and then message. Why did you apply for that role? 
actually, this role really excites me because of X, Y, Z, something along those lines. Okay. So it's really quick, nice and punchy, you know, just a few seconds for each. Um, but it's a really nice little warm up. You've got to be professional, but friendly throughout. Because as I said, right at the start of this, what they're looking for is, can this person fix our problem? The reason they've got an interview is because they need a, they need a gap filling. But they need to know whether you're going to be a really good fit for that team. Are you easygoing and laid back? Are you going to fit well in that team? Are you really intense? Are you arrogant? You know, those sort of things are going to really turn people off. So be professional, be friendly. Don't be negative about anything, okay? Because negativity will just stop the interview there and then. You will not get accepted if you're negative about anything. So motivational fit. Okay, so the next part of the interview will be that motivational fit. And the type of questions you get here are, what are your reasons for wanting to work for us? What interests you about this particular role? How do you see it fitting into your career aspirations? Can you briefly outline your key skills and experience that you believe makes you suitable for this role? Okay, so they are the type of examples that you're going to get for whether you're a good fit for a particular organization. And again, they're sort of warm-up questions, really. So although you've got the actual warm-up, they might ask a little bit about you. What they're then going to do is go through that, why do you want to join us? What is it about this particular organization and what can you bring to this organization that makes a difference? So let's look at competency-based questions. Now, what you'll normally get is you'll get a bit of a heading and they might actually say what that particular so it might be this this question relates to communicating with others now the generally the type of questions that you'll get are can you give me an example of when you've done x so it might be can you give me an example of when you've changed the opinion of a manager or a stakeholder and so that's when you give your carl response well the context with this the action i took was this which resulted in this. And actually, had I, you know, on reflection, had I done this a bit sooner, then maybe this would have happened a bit quicker. Um, and what they then do is they will then drill down into your response using 5WH. Well, why was it important to change the opinion of your manager? How did you go about doing it? What was their reaction? Was it actually the right conclusion? Was it the right thing to do? How did they respond? It's those sort of things. So you'll get that, that particular type of question. You'll get the start. Can you give me an example of when you've done X? And then it'll be the actual question itself. And then they'll deep dive into your particular response. Another type of question that we get is something around uh, maybe resilience. Okay, so it might be working under pressure or resilience, that type of thing. So can you tell us about a time when you've, when you've needed to work under significant pressure? Or can you give us an example of when you've faced a significant setback? They're very regular type of questions that you'll get in a competency-based interview. And again, they'll go through with 5WH into your particular response. So um, why was it difficult? How did you react? What was it that made it so challenging? Um, what was the significant setback and why did you, how did you react to that? You sort of mean, so what they're then doing is drilling down into your response. So you give your car response and then expect to get a few questions afterwards. 
And then finally, in terms of competency-based questions, just one more example could be something around your problem-solving decision-making ability. So can you tell us about a time when you've needed to carry out a thorough piece of analysis or you've needed to make an important decision or recommendation? And again, every time it'll be, they'll deep dive, they'll ask you a load more questions around, and it is all around that 5WH, but they want to know a bit more detail. Why was that the case? Um, you know, what was the decision? What recommendation did you make? Was it the right one? On reflection, is there anything that you could have changed? Um, what was the reaction of people to that recommendation? So expect to get further questions. Having given your car response, expect to get some further questions based around 5WH. Now, once the interview has taken place, you will get an opportunity to ask them a couple of questions. Um, and I'm going to give you a couple of very basic examples of the type of things that, um, that you can ask. But something along the lines of, you know, what do you enjoy most about working here and what do you find are the challenges? And what I found is that that tends to put them on the back foot a little bit. Um, and it's nice to get an idea on what they see as a particular challenges. Um, another one could be something like, you know, if I'm successful, what do you see as being my short to medium term goals? And again, it just makes them think and you then get a bit of an idea on the type of activities that they're going to need you to get involved in when you start in your new career. Now, there's a couple of bits that, that tend to come up around uh, the end of the interview, particularly within uh, the private sector, are things around your salary. Now, you, you may have heard me say previously that I was completely unprepared for this uh, the first time I was asked it. And uh, um, <laughs> I felt really, really uncomfortable. I'm still not very comfortable with it. Um, I was asked it in my most recent interview as well. And um, it, it's just a really strange one. But, you know, be prepared to answer that. You, you'll get a bit of a banding. You might, you might get an idea on roughly where this sits in terms of a salary. Um, but be brave, be punchy, go in with what your expectations are and put some rationale behind it. Okay, this is what I'm currently on. And actually, I need this to be, you know, at the top end of, of what we're looking at. You know, I've got the skills and experience and I know I can make a difference. And that's why I'm asking for this particular salary range. Um, most of the time, you'll be asked for proof of ID as well. Or on many occasions, you'll be asked for proof of ID. Now, that may come after the interview, either directly or once you're successful, you'll be asked for proof of ID and uh, proof of your um you being allowed to work uh, in this particular country. And they should also tell you when you're here by. However, I'm hearing more and more, and it's happened to me as well, where you're just left hanging. Okay, this ghosting thing that you might have heard me talk about. Uh, if, if you subscribe to the email, I mentioned it in an email a few weeks back. There's an awful lot of ghosting going on at the moment. Now, I've actually, you might have heard um, an interview um, a few weeks back where uh, Mike was saying, Mike Newbrook was saying that um, he still hasn't heard back from an interview that he sat last year. Just shocking. So, you know, be prepared to chase people up. If you haven't heard by a certain date, it's perfectly okay to get back to them and ask if they've made a decision. Um, I tend to always send an email to say thanks as well. So within 24 hours, I'll ping an email across to those people that have interviewed me just to say that I really appreciate the opportunity of an interview. Thank you. You know, really helpful. It's good to meet you both. I look forward to hearing from you in due course. Keep 
applying for other roles. It's really important that you keep applying for other roles, okay? Have a plan B and have a plan C. Keep going. Keep going until you get that signed contract in your hand. I've had it where I've been offered roles and they've literally changed it within 24, 48 hours of acceptance to say, actually, it's no longer this type of role. It's now this. The salary is this. Are you interested still? Because we'd really like you to do it. And actually, I turned around and turned, and turned it down. Um, keep applying for roles. Don't have all your eggs in one basket. Keep applying for stuff. If it's a no, please don't be so harsh on yourself, okay? Don't overthink it. Don't be harsh on yourself. Um, you know, you, you probably heard me say this in the group and in some of the emails as well. You know, there are occasions when someone is a better fit than you. You might think and you might actually have great experience, great skills, and you might feel like a perfect fit. But for whatever reason, someone is a better fit. Don't be harsh on yourself and don't overthink it. Connect with the people on LinkedIn, build that relationship. You never know what other opportunities will open up as a result. Just this week, as a result of an interview that um, that someone I'd helped through the process, they were referred to some other program managers within the organization that they sat this interview for, and they've just been accepted for a new role after a second interview within the same organization. So the networking and connecting and building that rapport and relationship and giving a good impression, you might not be a good fit for that particular role, but you could be a perfect fit for that organization in a different role. So don't overthink it. Don't be too harsh on yourself and make those connections and get networking. If it's a yes, fantastic. Absolutely amazing. Keep applying. Okay. Even if you get a yes, keep looking about, keep thinking about, you know, as I said to you earlier, things change, okay? You, for whatever reason, it could be internal or external, things change. All of a sudden, money might disappear. They might not have that vacancy. Keep applying, keep looking for other roles. And the other thing I'd say as well is actually don't tell too many people until it's absolutely nailed, until you've signed a contract. And you will go through a period where you might think, you know, what have I actually done? Have I done the right thing? Just go through it. It is part of the process. Just go through it. Okay. Now, the interview itself, really important. If it isn't being done remotely, and obviously more and more interviews will start going back to, um, to being done face-to-face, make sure that you plan your route, your method of travel, parking. Now, take a notebook with you. Okay. So it's really, really important that you take that notebook with you. You're allowed to do it. I know in the police, it was really frowned upon. Trust me, I take a notebook with me into every single interview that I do. And if the interview has been done remotely, I have yellow stickies. I have A4 sheets of paper. I have loads of stuff dotted around. And what the interview will see is me sort of looking up thoughtfully to respond. But what I may be doing is actually looking at some bullet points or some prompts that I've got to one side of my laptop. Whether it's online or whether it's in person, obviously be smart, be on time, be smiley and upbeat. Okay, really important. How you are when you walk in, that first few seconds makes so much difference. Okay, be confident, but be really grateful for the opportunity. So be confident, but be humble. And don't be flippant or negative about anything. And that's it. 
That is how to really stand out in interview. Okay, so I've taken you through a load of stuff there. We've gone through, uh, let's just refresh here. We have gone through review, responses and research. We've gone through the structure of your interview, how to conduct your research and using Carl as your responses. Uh, we've gone through the type of questions. So you get those warm up, the questions, and then what questions can you ask them? I've given you an acronym for what, how to respond to uh, that warm-up question called FORM. We've talked through the actual interview itself and making sure that you're prepared for it. We've gone through the motivational fit type of questions. What are your reasons for wanting to work for? What interests you about this role? Those type of things. We've then gone through some competency-based question examples. And I've also given you some questions to ask them at the end of the interview. And then what happens after that post-interview stuff. So I really hope you found that useful. Now, um, just to be clear, the difference is between what I've gone through here and what I go through with some of the paid clients and also those through the Blue Light Achievers program is that I go through the application in really minute detail, then go through your CV as well. And we talk through specifically through those stages. And we do a deep dive into the best examples that you could give and the structure. And then I also talk you through uh, some other key preparation techniques, hints and tips that I haven't actually covered on this particular uh, episode. Um, if you've got an interview coming up and you want some help and support, you can go to the Blue Light Levers website, www.bluelightlevers.com and uh, look for services and under services, you'll see a tab there. I really hope you found that helpful. It's the first time I've done one of these where I've actually sort of just talked at you. So it's a bit unusual and it does feel a bit different <laughs> from my perspective as well. So I'm not hugely comfortable with it because I like the, the back and forth of, of an interview or when I'm doing some, um, some online coaching and some mentoring, I like it when people talk back to me. So it is a bit different, it is a bit difficult, um, but I really hope you got some use out of that. And um, you know, please feedback, let me know what you think. And um, yeah, I look forward to, uh, to hearing from you in due course. All right. Best of luck with your interview. Take care. Speak to you soon. Bye-bye.